You got the call. Welcome to the big leagues, kid. Welcome back to the call up presented by Triple Play Fantasy. It's been it's been a few weeks and and any time a few weeks have passed, that means perhaps some changes have occurred and at least for me most notably for me, I am now a Yankee fan. Uh yeah, that's right. The Red Sox, uh if you if you've been living under a rock, they chose Alex Cora, my arch nemesis, over Heim Bloom, the prospects elite prospect mind that he is they said we're done with you Heim. we want alex cora in the front office someday and you guys don't get along and i cannot stand for that so i've decided to take my uh homerisms to the red sox greatest rival where i can solely root against boston and alex cora and uh, i'm now a yankee fan but uh that's enough about me we have a show for you guys today and as always I am joined by Michael at MP Richards 1981 on Twitter and also Vinny um, at Down on the Farm 8 on Twitter. Let's throw it to you, Michael, first. How's it going? Going good. Always glad to be here with you guys. You know, I've, uh, like you said, we had a couple weeks off. I've been really focused on finishing strong in my main event league last couple weeks. Uh, first, second, and third place are up for grabs going into the final weekend. So, pretty stressful times. Basically, out of my hands at this point. So, but I'm I'm glad to be back here for this uh, our first off season episode though. Uh, how's it going, Vinny? Doing good. Battling a cold. On top of that, similar to Josh, I am jumping ship on the Cubs because they seem to not be going to the playoffs. I will be an honorary Arizona Diamondback rooter. Uh, on top of that, I did win some of our underdog leagues. So check that out if you want to see the videos. They're from a while back. But, yes, I did become a victor in that. But, yeah, it's been a very hectic week. A lot of tilting this week, man. I, I don't know. It's it's rough out here. We don't release this podcast on the day we record it. So I just want to make clear to the audience that I think as we sit here right now, the Cubs are still in a playoff position. They are tied with the Marlins. So I'm not sure where. <laughs> then he's jumping ship before there's a reason to jump ship. Yeah, uh, the last two losses to the Braves, I'm, I'm done. You, you, have fun, guys. I'll, I'll see. You. I'll be in Arizona. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think everyone's gonna lose to the Braves. That's um, that's my official World Series pick. Uh, but we don't like the Braves on this podcast because they don't have a lot of prospects to talk about. And and ultimately, we're here to talk about prospects and the very underrated New York Yankee system. Except not today. Today marks. Our first coverage uh, in the offseason, we've uh, spent some time planning some ideas for you, and today we're going to be focusing, we're going to do a little bit of an Arizona Fall League primer for you. Um, this will be our first offseason podcast. The way the offseason will work, if you're curious, if you haven't been a long-time uh, listener, we'll release a podcast about every two weeks. N- no promises that will be every two weeks as it is the offseason, but we will try to have some consistent content out there for you, and we're going to bring back 
Uh, we have many ideas, uh, some popular uh, podcasts of the past, such as Breakouts, uh, some J15 coverage, and of course, an FYPD draft. We'll be sure to get that coming your way. And also, maybe uh, some other ideas we're going to try out. So uh, uh, get ready for some fun, because the offseason is all about fun. It gives us some opportunity to do things that we wouldn't get to do during the regular season. Um, and today's no different, because we're going to be doing the Arizona Fall League and... Uh, before we really get into what we'll be covering today, I thought it'd be a good idea to turn it over to Vinny, who's really the, uh, I, I, I want to say this in the nicest way possible, Vinny, but in my head, if you were to ask a group of 100 people their favorite day of the year, you'd probably get like 70% of people would say Christmas or whatever um, holiday they celebrate around that time of year. Probably another 10% would say Super Bowl Sunday. You'd be the 0.001%, I think, who would say the first day of the Arizona Fall League. Is that true? Yeah, it's right there. It's a close tie between the Arizona Fall League and MLB Draft Night. But, yeah, it's it's definitely this year not as you know exciting. But, yeah, I, I, can, I can see where you're going with that. Well, Vinny, I was hoping because I myself, I, uh, despite being born in Arizona and living there for some time, not an Arizona Fall League guy per se. So I, I think I'm probably not the only one in that situation. So I was hoping you could give a quick primer for the people listening and really for myself on uh, everything Arizona, Arizona Fall League. Really, I want you to convince me why I should be addicted like you to the Fall League. Well, yeah, Arizona Fall League usually, well, every year it's been getting pushed back ever since uh, we had the COVID year. Used to start in late September with, with the extension of the minor league season. Now it starts first week of October. It's the uh, Arizona Fall League is basically the teams will send prospects who are either in the past, it was either prospects that need at bats who missed some of the season due to injury. Uh, usually they send guys there to work on pitches or transition them into different roles. This year it's very different due to the, the, the pay salary. Cause now uh, players used to be incentivized to play at the Arizona fall league. They would get paid to play, but now with them being paid year round, uh, year round uh, players don't feel the need to go unless there's extra incentives to it. But like, it's very fun to watch because there's always guys every year that pop that you never heard of. Like if we flashback last year, the two big names that got blown out of proportion were Matt Mervis and Emmett Sheehan. And look, Emmett Sheehan is arguably a what top 125 pick in redraft next year. Like if you pay attention very good during the fall league, you can definitely pick up guys that, you know, couple months from now are completely different value than what they were a couple months ago. And they could help you either now or later. So Vinny, I have a couple questions related, related to the fall league. And I, I didn't tell you I was going to ask these questions, but they've just kind of been in my head as I've been uh, doing some research on the fall league myself. The first is, is there a, I'm trying to figure out the best way to word this question. Is there a consistent way they pick the teams? Um, not necessarily. There's not a, there's, it's usually they pick a home team of one of the parks. So like the Mesa solar Sox, that's the home of the Chicago Cubs. They piggy tail four other teams on with them. So this year 
the Mesa Sola Sox are like the Baltimore Orioles, the Houston Astros, the Oakland Athletics, and the New York Yankees. So they pick the host teams of the ballparks in Arizona, and then they put other teams with them. Teams, like I said, will usually send uh, five or six prospects each. It depends on, you know, what they're feeling. If like a team sends less, they'll give permission to another team to send more. It's more like speculative. But yeah, it's basically to get more innings in and more repertoires after the season stops. Well, you mentioned during during your spiel that one of the best parts of the fall league is if you pay close enough attention, you really get a head start on some of the breakout prospects over your league mates. You gave Emmett Sheehan as an example. Um, I was completely unaware he broke out during the fall league, to be honest, until you mentioned it. But that is, uh, if you're looking for the next Emmett Sheehan, if that's not reason enough to get in the door, um, we will be highlighting some of the key players you will be seeing this year in the Arizona Fall League, some players that should be pretty exciting for you to watch, some of the top prospects in the sport, um, so that you can get in the door. But when I was doing that, Vinny, I couldn't help but notice that four of them are on one of the six teams. Then we have four other guys we're going to talk about, one on each team. Then there's a team with zero guys we're going to talk about. Uh, how did one team get so loaded? Uh, is that a normal thing in the Arizona Fall League? Uh, the Peoria Javelinas do have a very stacked team. It's because of their affiliates. It's the Tampa Bay Rays, Seattle Mariners, San Diego Padres, Miami Marlins, and the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, this year, it just looks like a stacked team because the the caliber of prospects sent to the Fall League this year is not as uh, not as good as past years. This is a very down year considering... Like, a few years ago, we had, like, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Ronald Acuna here. Uh, we had, like, last year we had – I can't even name. We had, like, Jordan Lawler and, you know, three other top 25, 30 guys. So it does look very stacked this year due to the affiliates, but it's it's pretty much just the one team uh, just sent a bunch of good prospects. Well, how about we go right into your first guy, Vinny? He really is. I don't know if you would agree he's the headliner, but he is the top-rated prospect uh, for Baseball America, at least, rated for, uh, number 14 in their top 100. He is the top guy that we'll, we we will be seeing in the league. It's Colson Montgomery of the Chicago White Sox. He will be pay, playing for the Glendale Desert Dogs. Vinny, why don't you tell us why people should be excited to see Colson Montgomery in the Arizona Fall League? Yeah, it's a tie. Colson Montgomery and a guy that we'll be talking about later for the biggest prospect in the Arizona Fall League this year. But this is very, this was like a, if you were to bet on someone being in the Fall League this year, Colson Montgomery would have been the guy due to his, you know, missing two and a half months and start having a late start to the season. But wow, they are very, very, hard-headed on getting Colson Montgomery to the majors. There are rumors in the organization that I've been seeing from beat writers that the White Sox are potentially looking at him to be their opening day shortstop, which makes a lot of sense why they signed him to the fall league to get him more plate appearances. He already spent most of the year in double A and was actually very good. We're seeing an uptick in everything. Babbitt power. He's walking more. He's striking out less. The ISOs up the Woba. Like, you know, Colson Montgomery easily could potentially be next year's rookie of the year in the AL. I know it's going to be a stacked class. You're going to have like junior common arrow, 
you're probably going to have Jackson Holiday to open up the season. But if we're talking about a guy that's all around tool-wise, Colson Montgomery is now starting to look like a five-tool player. You know, they the White Sox are notorious for being unaggressive with their players in the minors stealing bases, which, you know, if he was on a different organization, I think we'd be seeing potentially 20, 25 stolen bases like he has his speed. But this is perfect for him. He's going to go into an environment where he can thrive. He can see more at-bats. He can see other pitchers. He can see pitchers from AAA. There's also some major league pitchers that will be pitching in the Arizona Fall League this year. So it'll be very interesting to watch. This is a guy, I have him in my top 100 currently slotted at 9. I or, uh, I have him at 8, my bad. But I've seen everyone start to jump on the Colson Montgomery train. There, I would say there's a chance once uh, Jackson Holiday and Churio are off of lists, Colson Montgomery can easily be the number one prospect in Basel if he has a very hot Arizona Fall League. So this is a guy to watch. I, I really think if we're talking about let's fast forward a year and be like, wow, so-and-so did so good at the Fall League, like Colson Montgomery's right there at like the top of the list. Well, it's hard to say that you can really buy early. Early is obviously the wrong word for because he's rated so highly. But if he really is, if he really does have a chance to make the opening day roster, that's not a rumor that I've heard perpetuated all over Twitter yet. Once that really gets going, if it is true, his value will skyrocket as often happens when we see these prospects. Um make uh make their debut so if you have them uh maybe consider hold uh waiting till that moment to try and strike while the iron's hot and if you don't try and get in on him now before that value spikes try and net yourself some nice value there um but uh benny said uh he had him in nine and then he corrected himself eight and i just like to point out i think that's because because uh Vinny is no longer a cubs fan i think that's how that's how a white sock colson montgomery got up their spot benny's shaking his head but we know it's true benny no, I, I've this year I've been very high on Montgomery even since his little uh, his very hot stint to start off the year in high A, and I just doubled down on it. That's pretty much about it. Well, Montgomery is the top prospect in the Arizona Fall League according to Baseball America. But let's move to another guy who's uh, I believe they have as the third highest guy in the league. Michael, this is a guy you're going to talk to us about. You've talked to us about him before. It's Ricky Tiedemann of the Toronto Blue Jays. He will be playing for the surprise Saguaros, and we definitely picked the wrong person to say these team names because I uh, I took Latin in high school. Let's just say that. Uh, but he is number 34 in Baseball America. Michael, uh, we know how much you like Ricky Tiedemann. We know how much the industry likes Ricky Tiedemann. This is definitely a headliner name when it comes to uh, someone you want to watch when they pitch in the Arizona Fall League. But why, why don't you tell us a little more about him? Yeah, so like some of the players uh, we're going to discuss today, Tiedemann is participating in the AFL to make up for sitting out the majority of the summer with the biceps inflammation. Like you said, I talked about him about a month ago, and his surface stats have taken a bit of a step back, And he, but he's still been impressive, you know, considering how much time he's missed, his age versus level, and relative lack of experience. If anything, my belief in him is only strengthened. Uh, quickly, I'll go through his scouting grades. You know, he's listed with a double-plus fastball, plus slider, plus changeup, and average command. Fangraphs gives him a future value of 55. Anytime you have a pitcher with an elite fastball, two plus secondaries, 
that has an average or better command. That's a pitcher I not only value, but will make an effort to acquire on my teams. And his fastball sits in the mid nineties, touches the upper nineties, his low 80 sliders, a plus offering and the changeups is best pitch. And one of the best changes in the minors. Typically most top pitching prospects don't see action in the AFL because of the hitter friendly environment combined with teams being reluctant to put out more wear on their arms after a long season, but missing a big portion of the year allows for the Blue Jays to give Tiedemann more reps as he ramps up his innings for his MLB debut next year. And as for how I plan to approach Tiedemann and giraffes this winter, I, I've made no secret. I view him as one of the top two or three pitching prospects. His rise through the levels last year was impressive to me. And had he not had a setback this year, I think we would have gotten some innings out of him in the big, for the big league club this year. He still has a bit of command issues to clean up and, and we have to at least consider durability until he proves he can remain healthy, but I don't question the talent at all. His innings will probably be monitored next year, so it's hard to protect more than like 100 to 120, but I expect the majority of those innings to be in the majors, and he should be effective. It's tough to predict exactly how a young pitcher will transition to the majors, particularly in like a tough AL East, but I expect Tiedemann to be a mainstay in lineups when he's rolling, not too dissimilar to what we saw out of Yuri Perez, Gavin Williams, Bobby Miller this season. You know, I'll target Tiedemann in draft and holds, while his role in ADP are still up in the air. And I expect him to be like a $200 plus pitcher in fab leagues once he gets the call. Long term, I think he's going to be getting drafted as an SP1 or SP2 for fantasy teams. Yeah, you mentioned the the loaded AL East, of course. Everyone except the Red Sox, you know, they suck. Three out of the last four years finished last place. No no clear direction. Yeah, not not as not as loaded as they once were. That's the point. But uh, you know, me and my fellow Yankee fans, we've been hoping that Ricky Tiedemann, with the control issues you mentioned, will find himself in the bullpen at least for a while. How obviously long term, the goal is for him to be a starting pitcher. But how long do you think uh, we need to worry about that? You mentioned the Yuri Perez treatment that excited me because that would mean he's going to get a, he's going to get some starts. Maybe not the longest starts, but he's not going to be in the bullpen. Yeah, for me, the I I don't really consider him a bullpen possibility long term i mean there's nothing in his profile with three plus pitches and at least average command he's a starter all the way to me and it's just a matter of is, is he a one or a two type of thing and I, I i'm really high on this kid i think this is a great t- time to target him just because there's a moment of doubt and if he had just flown through this season like he did last year he'd already be viewed as a, a top end major league pitcher yeah, that's actually a really good point, Michael. I feel like every time this kid is pitching and pitching well, people say some absolutely hyperbolic, crazy stuff about him. And right now, we're not hearing that as much. And if he goes to the, as you mentioned, the hitter-friendly confines of the Arizona Fall League, and he has even like one notable start, people are going to start losing their minds again. So another guy whose value is going to be high, but is probably only going to climb from here in, in Ricky Tiedemann. And uh, don't hold it against me, the comment about the bullpen. Us Yankee fans, we're known to be a bit delusional. So that's just, you know, that was just a little little shot in the dark we, we have there. But um, speaking of uh, switched fandoms again, we're going back to Vinny. And I have to think Vinny picked this kid before his switch off the Cubs. Michael actually mentioned, Benny, I don't know if you saw this, but Michael mentioned him uh, when you were not on the podcast. Uh, he very strategically waited so that you didn't get to hear him praise this kid. But it's Kevin Alcantara, Alcantara, you can tell me, of the Chicago Cubs, and he will be playing for the Mesa Solar Sox, a Cub playing for the Sox. I don't, I don't know about that. 
Yeah. Um, Alcantara is, I'm surprised that he's not getting talked about more right now. He was a late promotion into double A to end the season. Uh, just one. Uh, I, I forget what league they're in, but he just won the championship with double A Tennessee. We're talking about a 21 year old in double A to end the year. He would spent nine games, 37 plate appearances in double A. That's including the playoffs hit 278, 405, 528 with two home runs, three stolen bases and a 10% walk rate. If we're talking about a guy who's going to be put up on a platform that has uh, big exposure to wide audiences, Kevin Alcantara is the type of guy with the charisma and the attitude to give off like superstar vibes. Like you're going to see a 6-6 beast in center field chase down fly balls. And I am actually I've I'm blown away cuz I saw I saw him the second to last game of the low or uh, the high A season. And he is com- he's a completely different player since getting injured earlier in the season. Like his approach at the plate's completely different. Um, his swing is like more lofty now, which we can so it, it makes sense because if we look at the power numbers, everything's up. The ISO's up, the EVs are up. Like it's hard to explain this, but like every year we have like a guy that we knew is good. And he takes this like step forward into like superstardom. I think this is the guy for the Arizona Fall League, due to be just due to the kind of platform he has in the eyes. Like everyone will be watching him. If he has a really good Arizona Fall League, like I know borderline, he's depending on the lists you look at, he's in the back half, like 70s behind for top 100. If he has a good Arizona Fall League, I would not be surprised if come January he's inside like the top 35 to 50. Like we are talking about a legit power speed threat here with a potential gold glove in center field. The K's are always going to be a problem for Alcantara. He'll probably always have at least a 25% K rate. But we're talking about, you know, very rarely, I think. Alcantara could be a 30-20 guy at the next level if it's all if it all clicks. Like there is so much upside to him that I don't that we're starting to now see that he is going to be a hot name when the Arizona Fall League ends. And you know, all these rumors right now with the Cubs, oh, you know, Juan Soto is available and stuff. He might not even be a Cub come the start of the season. Like Alcantara has the value to headline a trade. That's how deep our system is. So this could be a potential very good buy low potentially for the fall league, but I, I, I think he's going to have a massive fall league. A little uh, slip of the tongue there for you, Vinny. I heard you said our system. That's a uh, I don't know about that. You that fake Arizona Diamondback fan over here couldn't couldn't be me. Could not be me, Vinny. As long as they have Corbin Carroll, they will always have my sport. So. Well, uh, Kevin Alcantara, I, I must say, we're going to be talking about some big names to, to today. If these guys are rostered, they're going to be expensive to get on your team. If they're not, you got to get them, all these guys, really. But uh, this is the one guy that Baseball America, of the guys we'll be talking about today, doesn't have in the top 100. So there is definitely some ascension that can be had here with Kevin Alcantara. We know how much the prospect world loves 
six six electric players like Alcantara. So uh, speaking of six six, Vinny, when you mentioned he was six six, you made a little comment about uh, him manning center field, and uh, that's breaking news to me. I guess Pete Crow Armstrong is is done. I don't know. It's interesting this off season. Uh, David Ross has not used Pete Crow Armstrong in the most effective way. But like I said, I don't know if Alcantara is a Cub come opening day next year. Like, if we're talking about like value and looking at our system, like our top ten guys could easily headline a trade. And Alcantara has so many tools and so many tantalizing skills that you know a team would love to have him in their organization. And I threw in also last time that he played some right field alongside Pete Crow Armstrong, so they could play together. But Pete Crow Armstrong is the more natural center fielder. They'd move Alcantara to to right field if if that if he stays with the organization. Yeah, and that that naturally makes a lot of sense. We know Pete Crow Armstrong close to if not an eighty grade fielder in center field, and six six players probably got a big enough arm for right field. And Vinny, once again, you slipped and called them our Cubs. So I'm going to move on to Michael before, before you say even more, I I do uh, like, I do want to say though, I'm just realizing, um, wow. No, I am not. I have nothing more to add. I do not know (laughs) what that was, (laughs) but yeah, let's, let's get to Michael before we're we're completely off the rails here. And Michael's going to tell you about our first Peroria, Peroria Javelino. Uh, in uh, Kyle Manzardo here. There's going to be three other guys from this team. Every other guy we talk about is going to be the only representative from their team. But Michael, Kyle Manzardo here. He's Baseball America's number 59 ranked player. And of course, uh, uh, the big, big part of that trade this year, and uh, D. Mendy and I did get him in our draft that you guys still refuse to admit we won. But here's just here's just another opportunity for you admit to admit it let's see if it happens yeah so this one is interesting uh manzardo was the epitome of a breakout in 2022 but he never really got on track this season which ultimately led to the rays dealing him at the deadline to cleveland and my first thought seeing that was great this just opened up a clearer path to playing time and i still believe that to be the case cracking the rays everyday lineup was my biggest concern with with manzardo and i thought he'd do it but there was still like some lingering doubt and Cleveland, they have some young talent, but the depth isn't the same. And Manzardo is listed on Fangraphs with a double-plus hit tool, fringe average power, and below average speed. I'll start by saying I don't agree with these, particularly the power. A 70-grade hit tool was justifiable coming off his 2022 season where he hit over 320 at two levels, but the significant drop in production this season leaves open room for debate. But either way, the hit tool is is his calling card, and he hasn't completely lost his approach. It's at, it's at least plus, and Manzardo's power was clearly underrated by evaluators coming out of the draft. He had a 33.5 hard hit percentage with 22 home runs and 93 games last year. So I believe he has plus raw power when everything is clicking. Below average speed is fair. Essentially, the situation is just intriguing to me. Like you mentioned, he's he was a top 10 prospect last year. Now he's ranked at around number 60. The difference between 2022 Manzardo and 2023 is pretty significant. I I was one of those people who thought his hit tool would make him stand out amongst first basemen. Maybe he wouldn't become like a slugger like Matt Olson or Pete Alonzo, but his ability to chip in high average as a four-category stud carries a lot of appeal. And I didn't even think a 236 average was even possible for a player of this magnitude. But, you know, I've heard there are, there's some personal issues going on behind the scenes and that would help some explain some of this decline. I don't really know enough about the situation to comment, though. So 
but but that's that's this is where the opportunity comes in if you believe 2022 is a closer representation to his actual skill set as I tend to then this offseason is a fantastic time to target Manzardo in all leagues if you think this year's version is more accurate then you should be actively looking to shop him while he's still got name value if the truth is somewhere in the middle then you can go either way I expect myself to be drafting Manzardo in a lot of leagues as depth with the understanding that he could be a regular in my lineups at corner infield or, or even emerge into a starting caliber first baseman. I believe in the talent. I believe in the playing time opportunities here. And I'm going to take advantage of this by low window. He's already shown flashes of rebounding since the trade. So long term, I expect him to be rostered across the board in a starting first baseman in all leagues. I just want I just want to add to uh, when you mentioned the rumors about the the personal problems that could explain it. We're not talking about we're talking about stuff that is outside of uh, Minzardo's control. We're not talking about the same personal problems a Khalil Watson might have or Alex Verdugo. Part of the worst trade in MLB history. Can't believe an organization would ever be dumb enough to trade Mookie Betts for Alex Verdugo and his personal problems. It's not those personal problems when it comes to Kyle Manzardo. So that those are there are reasons that people expect to d- dissipate over time, and then uh, we can use that to explain perhaps a performance rebound for Kyle Manzardo. Um, let's stick here with one of his teammates in the fall league. Uh, we're going to send it over. Uh, was it, it was his teammate in, in real life, or at least same organization. Uh, another, I can't believe I, this, of course, this is the team name. I have to say four times Peroria Javelinas. Is that right? Peoria, I think it's Peoria Javelinas. Javelinas. You know what, Vance, what we're going to do every time I need to say a team, I'm just going to point at you and you're going to say it. Okay. <laughs> so this is, this is, let's test out. This is Carson Williams of the Peoria Javelinas. I'm trying to point at you. Hold on. There you go. <laughs> All right. That's correct. All right, uh, Vinny, let's, let's, let's talk about him. I'm assuming this is the guy you were hinting at might be the other headlining prospect. <clears throat> Indeed it is. And uh, Mike will go on record because we talked about him a couple times in the offseason. I was completely off of Carson Williams. I wanted nothing to do with him. Didn't believe that uh, all the tools they projected out to him were true. And I had my doubts. I will say that. I watched a lot of him this year while he was with high A Bowling Green. And wow, has he changed my mind. Like, I don't think I've ever been so anti a player and then come around how I have with Carson Williams. Like we are talking about a kid that has four out of the five tools right now. Like he just needs to work on his, his ability to limit strikeouts. And we're talking about a five tool superstar shortstop gold glove caliber at the position. He's going to stick at shortstop, no matter where he goes, stupid power, easily a 2020 guy at the next level. Like, we can kind of tell what the plan is for Carson Williams. It almost feels like he's going to the AFL to potentially be the opening day shortstop for the Tampa Bay Rays. If not their shortstop by like May, because we saw right after the Wander Franco news happened, they sent him up to triple a, he really struggled there, which it very expected to this. It's a kid thrown straight from high A to triple A. That's, it was kind of unfair how they did that. And his stats are going to be all kinds of discombobulated due to that. But 
like we saw improvement with his 26 plate appearances in double a he he went from an 11.1 percent 11.5 percent uh walk rate in high a went up to double a had a 15.4 and cut his strikeouts down to under 20 percent if we can get that to continue at the fall league like watch out like i i know you know short stops right now usually especially in the top 100 are blown out of proportion like he's another one of these guys if he has an explosive folly like we're gonna see him jump up to potentially top 10 top 15 on the list like we're talking about a kid that had a consistent babbit over 300 minus his 15 appearances in AAA this year like throughout the minor league system he has not had below a 341 babbit like this kid can hit and he can play the shortstop position, good arm, good feet, good hands. Like it feels like to me, I don't, I keep on saying out, but like superstar, like I don't know if he's a superstar. I would say he's kind of more like a Dansby Swanson at the major league level, but this kid has some, has some very fantasy friendly tools. I will say that he's, probably very expensive now due to the Wander Franco news, which I did. I do see the typo there. There's two double A's. There's supposed to be a triple A there. My bad. Um, but yeah, ever since the Wander Franco news, like his value is unbelievably skyrocketed, but this is a guy, you know, I wouldn't mind leaving some drafts next year, late couple rounds with Carson Williams. Cause if he comes up and he gets a shot, there's definitely a chance that he can just, absolutely take the baseball world by storm before i switch away from the player card here i'm just going to do some hard hitting prospect analysis here of the two players that Vinny labeled as superstars uh we got carson williams i, I want you just i ignore everything just focus on the picture you got carson williams who is terrifyingly staring at who knows what but he looks very afraid if you're not on youtube get on youtube and then we've got Kevin Alcantara, that's a superstar face. Look at that. That gets me excited. That gives me some Ronald Acuna Jr. without the the I want to fight you problems vibes. That's a superstar, Vinny. I, I am not sure that Carson Williams over there, Mr. Frady Cat, is a, is a superstar. Uh, you mentioned this this stud shortstop. I tell me, is he he he's not even underrated prospect god Anthony Volpe, is he? No, but I would say he has better tools than anthony volpe impossible Vinny. are you paying for attention for what it's worth my comp that came to mind when Vinny was talking is willie adamas with speed i don't know if that's accurate but i don't think he's gonna have high batting average he's gonna have no. to really increase so we could be looking at a guy who hits 210 with approaching 30 home runs and 20 steals so so what i what heard is- willie adamas we're talking about a shortstop who can't hit in his home stadium with the rays so has to get traded away. <laughs> I like I said, ceiling MLB confirm Dansby Swanson. Like they are very similar of players. Yeah, that that's that's great and all. You guys keep it reasonable for the listeners. I just want it on the record. No one respects the great Anthony Volpe. Okay, no one respects him. That's right. I do. I'm going to be all over him in drafts next year if people let him. Michael, slip. stop it. That doesn't fit my New York Yankee fan <laughs> narrative. Okay. No one respects Anthony Volpe. No, no one. All right. You know what? You know what? We have another prospect. His name's Harry Ford, but guess what team he plays for? 
The Peoria Javelinas. That's right. And this time, Michael's going to be talking about him. I've got some questions about how this guy is even in the Fall League, if that 563 plate appearance number is accurate for a catcher. But we'll get to that, Michael. Why don't you actually give us some uh, accurate, hard, or hard-hitting analysis of this guy? <laughs> yeah, so I'm actually pretty excited to talk about this. these last two players I'm new because they're two of my personal favorites, and I haven't had a chance to break them down this season. Some people probably know I'm a Mariners fan, so once I saw the AFL rosters announced, I was – I was ready for some overdue Harry Ford love and he's a player. Most prospect people know at this point, but I don't really see as much talk about him as I think he deserves. And maybe it's cause he's a catcher and a ball. Maybe it's just getting lost in the shuffle with all the new draft picks and other players emerging, but he's been consistently among the best players his age and level this year. And Ford's listed on Fangraphs with the below average hit tool, plus raw power and plus speed right off the bat. Those power speed grades from a catcher eligible player stands out. He hasn't quite tapped into the full extent of his raw power yet, but He's showing steady improvements as he climbs the ladder, and he's still in 47 bases over the last two seasons, so that checks out. The most encouraging sign is his strong plate discipline. He's posted extremely high walk rates while, while seeing a reduction in his K percentage, which leads me to believe this hit tool is underrated. The appeal for me with Harry Ford is pretty evident. There's just aren't many catchers with legitimate power speed potential. Add in that he should be a huge asset in OBP formats, and it's just the type of rare unicornish type profile I gravitate towards. Anytime you have a player with unique characteristics for their position, I'm intrigued. And there are some catchers who take walks and hit for power, but how many of them are capable of stealing double-digit bases while also potentially having multi-position eligibility to ensure more plate appearances? It's just an appealing combination that has more upside than most catcher situations. And with the with the emergence of Cal Raleigh as a legit starting like slugging catcher, there isn't a desperate need to push forward up the ladder quickly. I'd expect him to begin next season in double A. Potentially he remains there all year, depending on which needs appear on the big league roster. I see him more as a 2025 draft and hold type target, but if he's able to maintain the skill set while also keeping catcher eligibility, I feel comfortable saying Ford will be a top 10 catcher and redraft in a couple of years with the potential to put up catcher one seasons in his prime. If he moves off the position, his game would still translate, but the major appeal is the idea of rostering a dual eligible catcher that will contribute in stolen bases. Uh, remind me, which one of you got him in our in our trade draft? I'm gonna guess you. No, oh, it wasn't. That no. was not. <laughs> that was very fair, Vinny, because I totally <laughs> would pull a move like that. But I think one of you got him. But I, I remember thinking at um, at the time that he was he's very underrated. So I couldn't agree more with you michael and what and what you're saying about him i um am still wondering though and michael this might not be a question for you this might be more of a question for Vinny, who is in the weeds of arizona fall league twitter and all these rumors but i really am curious why a player like ford maybe is in the arizona fall league is that something like 563 plate appearances is a lot and he's a catcher so is he going to catch is this something i'm just like my let my babiness to the Arizona Fall League is making me afraid about nothing, or is this like a thing? I don't know. It's interesting because that is a lot of playing appearances for him to go and catch there. So maybe he's going to play another position. That would be my guess. Uh, I know he has strikeout problems, but I don't, you wouldn't send a, a player with 500 and some plate appearances to the Fall League to fix strikeouts. So I'm, I would guess it's probably to play like the first base or get some run of the outfield because I know Cal Raleigh, I don't know if he's a necessarily blocking him but it's very interesting I, I don't know i'll have to look into that 
Yeah, good. for what it's worth, I think Harry Ford, it is a lot of plate appearances to be sending them. But when I was looking through all the players we're talking about today, he was one of the few players who hadn't got to double A yet. And if I'm not mistaken, he was at the Fall League last year. Or maybe I'm thinking about the World Baseball Classic. But either way, I, I just think the Mariners see him as close. Like he's played in high A this year, but he might be the kind of guy who doesn't play in triple A or something like that. Yeah. And so and like, like, I think they're just, and, and I think Vinny's right. I think maybe he's going to be playing some second base, some outfield, something like that to kind of see where he's at with those sort of things too. But I definitely think this is a big part of the Mariners future. And, and they'll be ideally, I think there's, they'll use him as like the backup catcher, you know, and kind of be able to move him around where the, cause you don't want one of your best hitters to be, playing catcher every day ideally like even the Orioles are going to move an Adley off the position thank and goodness to piggy- and to piggyback on the mic like there's a lot of prospect fatigue around Harry Ford like if you're talking about a time to go buy Harry Ford this is probably the time because if he like I said if he has a good Arizona Fall League good luck because usually when you see success of the Fall League the following offseason it's skyrocketing in value those 563 plate appearances, do those include the World Baseball Classic? No, those would just be minor. So things. this guy is just a complete hoss. Yeah, like so he's a beast. If we were to probably something where he's probably pushing 600 plate appearances with the Arizona or with the World Baseball Classic this year. I'm all in on this kid. I mean, yeah. if you can do that at, the, at a position like catcher, I mean. I am in on Harry Ford. That is that is talk about something that doesn't show up in the in the scouting grades. That's and to ridiculous. piggyback on top of that, like if we want to add in all the spring training and stuff he had in on top of that, like he could end the year with potentially seven hundred plate appearances. That's kind of crazy. Absolutely crazy. Well, a good choice there to talk about Michael, but uh, we're going back to Vinny for our last guy on the. Peoria Hevelinus. What that was? We gotta, we gotta do that again, Vinny. We can't end our last cue up of you saying the team with the five second pause. And oh no, I need to unmute myself. <laughs> so let's let's try that again. We got one last player, the fourth on the Peoria Hevelinus. There we go, and it's none other than Chase Delauder coming from the Cleveland Guardians organization. He is rated number 91 in the top 100 of Baseball America. Who knows where Vinny has him, though? Vinny, why don't you tell us about Chase DeLauder? Yeah, Chase DeLauder, if he doesn't get hurt and starts the year at, you know, April, whatever, whenever the season's supposed to start, we're talking about a top 30 prospect. Like, there's no questions about it. He is probably one of the best hit tools in minor league baseball. Arguably the best value of this year's first year player or last year's first year player draft. Like there was no reason for this guy to be falling past twenties. It's such an advanced hit tool that I don't think we've comprehended how much the, the upside with him is yet. Like he's shown a little bit of power in his small sample size this year. Like this was, let's flash back a year ago. This was the lock and loaded, number one overall pick in last year's draft. And one one injury derailed that. Like we we don't need we need to stop being all jumpy on that because this kid has done nothing but shine since being drafted. And you know it was a leg injury so that's why we're not seeing the stolen bases but he has the capability to steal 20 bags. Like he has the speed. 
I think next year is going to be a big year for DeLauder. I think we see DeLauder in the majors by July next year. Uh, he got up to double A this year. He spent most of the year in uh, high A and the complex because he was rehabbing the, the foot injury. Got hurt again during the season at high A, Lake County, and then just continued to mash. Like, if we – I don't – the power, I think we're going to have to we're gonna have to wait on. You know, this was just pretty much – this season was, hey, let's get you back into play and let's see what you can do. Like, DeLauder, he's a doubles machine right now. We're looking at 22 doubles on the season. There's power in the frame. Like, th- this guy could easily – you know, be, I, I don't know, like a top 25 prospect come next, you know, May. Like, if we're talking about 60 hit tool, there's no way, 60 hit tool. I'm looking at Pipeline right now. They give him 60 power. I have yet to see 60 power, but like I said, he was hurt this year. Like, the the ceiling for him is up in the air, but this, this kid's going to be a stud. Like, if we're talking about, Fantasy wise, like we're talking about, he's going to have a good average. He's going to steal bases. I don't know where he's going to play defensively, though. He's probably going to stick to a corner outfield spot. I don't think he's defensively, I don't think he's sound enough to stick in center, but he does have a very good arm. Like, this is a guy that I, he's one of my targets for the offseason that I want to start stashing because I think. A couple months from now, even when people start doing the deep dives in the off season right now and see what he accomplished in under 300 plate appearances coming back from an injury, once you stat that out, like we're talking, he's going to have a massive, massive market come I don't, January, maybe February. Like if you're listening to this, go start trying to get Chase Slaughter in Dynasty. Has yeah, just real quickly, I want to throw in. I think, you know, Vinny mentioned top 25. I think that's going to start happening soon. This off, this off season, we're going to start seeing lists where he's up in that range. So if you, if you play in any leagues where people don't see him that way right now, he's a great target. Yeah. And to piggyback, like success of the fall league, this kid is going to explode in value. I don't know. I, I, I want to say we see him next year, but I know how Cleveland is with their prospects. They love to be on the cautious side. So if we do, maybe he's a September call up next year, but what he's done with the bat this year, there's no holding him back, denying it. Like there's the only guy that's holding him back in that outfield is probably Stephen Kwan, but he's not going to take Stephen Kwan's job. He's going to be playing besides him. So I heard you say that you, I, at least if I'm understanding you correctly, give him a 60 hit tool. And then you've seen elsewhere, people give him 60 for power uh, you mentioned you, he does not have a lot of home runs this year. So I'm curious if you were to give him, you gave him the 60 hit tool. If I'm understanding correctly, what would you give the the power? I'd give him a 55 power just because of what he's doing with doubles and triples. He, he right now has gap to gap power. Like I said, it was a, it was a, uh, it was either a leg or a foot injury that costed him most of the season. And then he re aggravated something later on. So I could understand that we have not seen the power because he is being cautious. Like next season, one shock me if he comes out and hits 15, 20 home runs. Like if you give him a full run of 500 plate appearances, you're probably looking at a 20 home run guy. 
That is a, uh, I mean, if it's, if he is a 60, 60 hit 55 power, that's, that's obviously a top 25 guy in fantasy. So this seems, this seems like a no brainer guy to try and jump on right now. And shout out Eric Cross. Cause he never lost faith in Chase DeLauder. You know I, who I else he never lost faith in? And I have to say this because of my roots with SP streamer back in the day, Jared Kellenick. He never lost faith in Jared Kellenick, Vinny. And Cody Hosey. I, it, you know, that was an unfair shot, but Cross is a Red Sox fan, and I hate hey, the Red Derek Sox. Derek Kellnick's on my so. main event team right now. He's he's not a lost cause. He, okay, he's not okay. <laughs> he's not a complete lost cause, but he is also not a top twenty-five. Whatever Cross probably would have said back in the day. So, um, we do have one more guy for you, and finally, we get to a team name that if I screw this up, then I have. I have some serious just pronunciation problems and probably should not be hosting any sort of podcast. We're going to be talking about, we've talked about him before. You know how much I love him. Michael's going to be telling us about Jackson Job. He's on the Detroit Tigers, but he's playing for the Salt River Rafters. Nailed it. Benny's giving me the claps. He's on mute, but trust me, trust me, for the people who can't see him, Benny is totally. Tell us about the amazing Jackson Job. Yeah, so this is the player I'm most looking forward to talking about today. Uh, ever since he came onto the scene, I've, I've been a believer in his upside and potential, but it wasn't until the season that the full scope of the situation came into focus for me. And our guest, Thomas uh, Nestico, broke him down about a month ago with some interesting visuals, so make sure to check out that episode. Uh, Job is listed with a plus fastball, double plus slider, plus changeup, average cutter with average command, Right off the bat, not too dissimilar to the stuff I said about Tiedemann on paper. So scouting grades-wise, he passes the sniff test for a potential top pitching prospect. Also like Tiedemann, he's participated in the AFL because he suffered a lumbar spine inflammation in spring training and he didn't return to the mound until mid-June. But since he's returned, he's been nothing short of phenomenal. His fastball sits 95 to 97, which is up a few ticks from a year ago. His low 80 slider consistently cracks 3,000 RPMs of spin and is his biggest weapon. The low 80s changeup has good sinking action, and he's added a low 90s cutter that plays well off the slider. Job has uh, an athletic delivery, and it's showed up in a big way with his improvement with command. The main thing that should catch all of our attention is that Job has an astounding 2.3 walk percentage with an absurd 84 to 6 strikeout to walk rate. He's showing signs of turning into a pitcher with four pitches, three plus, a devastating slider, increased velocity on his fastball, high-end spin rates, and immaculate command. He needs to prove durability is not a long-term concern and continue tinkering with his pitch mix, but that should come with experience. That's a lot of positives coming together at, at once with only the usual risks involved with most pitchers. Bottom line, he was considered a high upside prep arm when he was drafted, and now he's shown notable gains in multiple facets of his game, which was already pretty outstanding to begin with. This may, this may be controversial, but I think you can make a strong case for Job right after the most premium pitching prospects, which would put him firmly inside my top 50. For everything I'm seeing this season combined with his pedigree, Job could end up becoming the number one pitching prospect in baseball at some point next summer. It's always risky to predict such things, but the ingredients are there. I wouldn't expect a ton of innings in the majors next season, but I see, I see myself targeting Job everywhere in Dynasty unless he starts being valued as a consensus top five pitcher this offseason, and even then, I'd probably view it as a fair value. I don't love the organization, but the park and division are prime targets. And 
this is one of my favorite pitching prospects right now. And I think he surpasses Tariq Skubal to become the Tigers ace down the road. That is high, high praise there at the end, Michael. But I could not agree more. He is my number one uh, pitching prospect for fantasy. I, uh, you mentioned it, the park and just the profile. I re- I want I want this guy everywhere. I just I just want him. I'm I'm excited to see how he handles the uh, hitter friendly confines of the Arizona Fall League. But uh, this guy is this guy. I you know I'm acting like I've been on him for a while. It really was the episode with Thomas when I first was just my had my eyes open to a, a guy I'd been sleeping on, and now I'm saying crazy things like he's my number one. But my opinion doesn't really matter. You heard Michael say similar things, so and I pointed the wrong direction, and you heard Michael, who's a wow, I'm horrible with the with the camera. That is a disaster. Um, say similar things, so ignore ignore this crazy Yankee fan and just listen to listen to the expert and Michael that is the eight guys we had planned for you but we have a list here of of a more notable AFL prospects if you're curious I am actually not going to read them if you are listening so I want you to get on to the YouTube and look at the list I have it up on the screen right now I'm only going to highlight one guy, um, let's see here. I'm going to go with Reggie Crawford because I believe he is a, a guy that's a fun up-and-coming prospect to watch on the Scottsdale Scorpions, which is the only team we didn't mention today. So now that I've mentioned Reggie Crawford, we have at least one name mentioned on every single team. But I'm going to actually throw it over to the experts. Uh, we'll start with you, Vinny. Are there, is there a name here? Uh, that stands out to you or maybe a couple names that you just want to quickly highlight to the listeners. There's a name on the list and there's two not on the list I want to talk about. But real quick, Ivan Melendez for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, We're talking about a guy that had 30 home runs this year in the minor league uh, season. Uh, I don't know if he's going to work on his strikeouts because 146 strikeouts is pretty absurd. But I think they're just sending him to solidify where he's going to play defensively, either third base or first base. Um, he is a very interesting watch. And then the two names not on the list I want to talk about are left-handed pitching prospect for the Diamondbacks in um, – oh, I can't – I can't – I just I just blacked out there. Um, oh, my uh, – Blake Walston, which potentially could be – this could be setting him up for next year to be a part of that rotation or maybe even that bullpen – and then DJ Hers of the Washington Nationals. If we're talking about like a potential Emmett Sheehan of this year's uh, Arizona Fall League, I think DJ Hers could easily be that. He possesses the pitches. Uh, he has the uh, the uh, he has the spin rates. He has the the underlying uh, analytics. Everything is in his favor, and he shows up. We could be talking about a potential piggyback starter with. Mackenzie Gore at some time next year. Yeah, I'll throw in, Vinny. Oh, go ahead, Michael. Yeah, uh, just a few guys that stand out to me. I, I kind of want to see Victor Scott. You know, he's got that elite speed. We've talked about him on the show, approaching 100 steals. I, I just kind of want to see how that plays. I'm, I'm kind of hoping he's just uh, hitting the ball pretty well and leads the league in steals, just kind of solidify my belief in him. Uh, Takoa Roby, I've mentioned before, he's one of my favorite kind of pitching prospects who – I don't see on any top hundred list, but I could easily see that happening over the next calendar year or earlier. And I've also mentioned Jake Eater too. He's kind of struggling a little bit, but he's also coming back from a big injury and he's got legitimate upside. I, I still don't trust the White Sox, but I'd, 
like to see how his stuff plays against some of these AFL hitters. And the last guy would be Abimelech Ortiz, just because there's been a lot of hype around him. And I just kind of want to see if it's real. But he's another guy where I've heard a lot of people talking about him. So if he shows up in this event, he's going to be viewed even higher than he is right now. Uh, I just want to, I want to point out that two of those guys, at least two of them that Michael pointed out to Roby and Victor Scott, they were the first two we talked about. I think you talked about, you talked about Scott first and then Roby. They are both also on the Scottsdale Scorpions. So now you are thoroughly covered for at least someone to wash on every single roster. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of, uh, if you're paying attention, it, it's going to be a lot of what team, Vinny? The Peoria Javelinas. Yes, they've got a they've got a lot of the the top names, but we got to keep our eyes out for breakouts elsewhere, and and we'll be sure to let you know in the coming weeks of this podcast who does indeed break out. Even if we're not planning to talk about it, I guarantee you, Vinny's not going to be able to hold it in. It's just going to blurt it out mid podcast. So you're going to have to listen to all of our episodes if you want to try and find and more information on who is breaking out in the Arizona Fall League, who is the next Emmett Sheehan. You heard Vinny's prediction, DJ hers. Uh, but for more of that, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube, subscribe to the podcast channel. I'm always going to try and push you to watch on the YouTube, though, because we are a visual format. We like to show you all the players, their profiles, their stats. We throw them up on screen while we're talking about them. It's just a much better listener experience to be watching on the YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to Triple Play Fantasy on YouTube and turn on that notification so you know when the episode drops so that you can beat your league mates uh, to the waivers because um, people listen. And uh, Benny and Michael, they, they are early on, guys. So you want to you wanna know as soon as you can about the next uh, guy who's going to skyrocket into the stratosphere. But be sure to subscribe to the podcast feed as well. You watch us on YouTube, but you listen to our other podcasts um, on that that feed. We mentioned it a couple episodes back, but both Vinny and Michael take notes from our podcast that we produce. Michael mentioned it. Michael, where how are you doing in the uh, in your main events? Um, I'm too scared to look right now, but I'm going to finish in the top three, maybe first. So there you go, My, Michael. And what, and tell, tell the people, one of the podcasts where you listen and you got some of your baseball info, where is it? Where can you find it? Oh, I, I've listened to the, the main triple play show with Mendy for a long time. And also that the newer show with, uh, Torres as the leader and, uh, heard Eric cross on there recently. So we cover a lot of different things. It's not just prospects here they cover prospects on that one we t- we touched on some major league stuff here as well so we're just we just love baseball and we love helping everyone well, that's right and uh and you see michael he's a he's a i don't want to jinx anything but he's doing he's doing well in, in his league and, and Vinny's taking advantage of all you listeners in in his league because of the information he he, he learns there but that is our episode for the week. We'll be back in uh, in hopefully a couple weeks from now with some more off-season content for you. Uh, but until then, I don't have a ca- I don't have a I don't have a tagline. Anyone have a good tagline? If put in the comments if you have a good tagline. Vinny, Michael, you got one for me? No, I, I think many you say we'll catch you guys next week on the call up. Yeah, no, I need my own one. I, here we go. I, I think. What about this, guys? <laughs> what about uh, uh, until then? Go Yankees. How do we like that? Sure.
That'll, that'll work until uh, we're back on that <laughs> that'll work until next episode. <laughs> yeah, that will last one episode. You heard it. We'll figure that out off camera. But until then, go Yankees. <laughs>